Hello, and welcome to Knock Off Drinks with a Difference. I'm your host, Amy Armstrong, passionate non-alcoholic expert and sober socialite. Grab your favourite glass of non-alcoholic wine and join me on the couch for a chat about all things alcohol-free. So today is the 1st of July, and as most of us know, that is the beginning of the biggest month in the year for uh, not drinking in Australia. This is Dry July. Uh, Dry July is, of course, very important. Um, A lot of us who are sober now have all done Dry July. A lot of us who have done Dry July made up for it with a very wet August. It was quite a pattern of behaviour, was having a month off the booze and then making up for lost time in August. I did, definitely did that myself. Um, but what I like to communicate to people and and um, get you to understand is that if you are taking a month off the booze, it is way better if you can do that with support. And one of the best ways that I know from experience is by doing the 30-day alcohol experiment. This is a a free online program developed by Annie Grace in America, Um, and it is just such an incredible program that completely transforms how you relate to alcohol, the amount of power that alcohol has in your life, and um, just your your relationship with yourself, really. Um, I myself did this program once I decided to stop drinking in June of 2020, and I'm not alone in this. I actually have a, a good friend, Natalie Battaglia, the Mindful Mocktail, who did uh, the alcohol experiment herself probably about six months before I did. And today I'm very, very fortunate to be joined on the couch by Nat. Hey, Nat. Hello. Thanks for having me. So you also did the alcohol experiment. I, we think about we're about six months apart. Um, but what I think I know, and you can tell me this um, also, is that we had quite different experiences. Whereas I did mine, I'd already decided to stop drinking. Okay, I woke up one day, went, that's enough. I'm going to start the alcohol experiment tomorrow. And then I have never looked back. You did the alcohol experiment and then had a bit of a journey after that, didn't you? That's exactly right. So it was back in December 2019 for me. uh, And I googled after a night of very heavy drinking, am I an alcoholic? And one of the first search results that came up was uh, Annie Grace. um, And the she was advertising the live alcohol experiment at the time, which is there is a small fee for that one. uh, But basically, you're popped inside a Facebook group, which is it's now run a little bit differently. So if you don't have Facebook, it doesn't matter. Um, But I, at the time, I I really didn't want to quit drinking, but I knew that I had to find a way to control my drinking. Mm. And one of the first things that I noticed with the alcohol experiment was Annie said, um, it's not about, you don't have to quit drinking. It's not, it's not about quitting drinking. And, um, you know, you know, you don't have to quit drinking to do this program. And I thought, well, well, in that case, that's, that's, that's the program for me. Um, and yeah, and that was when I signed up to the January live alcohol experiment. Mm -hmm. But once you'd done that, you didn't stop drinking straight away, did you? No, I didn't. So I finished out, to be honest with you, once I, we can get into sort of the whys behind it, but once I got to around day 15, 
I had heard enough. Um, I'd heard enough about the science behind, um, you know, the the why I was sleeping so terribly, why my anxiety and everything was so bad. Um, but I really should have finished out the month <laughs> in hindsight because yeah. after 15 days I thought, nah, heard enough, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'll be fine. Now I know enough to be able to control my drinking mm. and, and moderate um, and I'll be fine. So I spent um, February and March trying to set all the rules around my drinking. So yeah. what did that look like? Well, so my rules in general were I could ha- I could drink on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then I found that I couldn't do that. So then I thought, okay, well, at least two alcohol-free days a week. I, c- I can do that. Surely I can do that. And then, of course, there was just always a reason to drink. Yeah. But I'm going out for dinner that night or I have a wedding that night or I've had a really hard day today. There was just all – I just found that once I introduced it back into my life, there always seemed to be a reason to drink. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I made all the rules. I broke all the rules. And then after a particularly bad hangover, I just thought, that's it, I'm done here. And then I decided to stop drinking Still temporarily, I'd never said I'm going to stop drinking forever, but I knew I had to have a proper break from it to be able to assess my relationship with it properly. And did you go back and revisit any of the program at that point? Yeah, I did. And it was that point I actually bought the book. So I didn't even realise the book existed when I started the live alcohol experiment. Um, And then, yeah, it was, I think it must have been the February or the March, I found the book, ordered the book, and I actually got such... Yeah, the book I found was really, really good in just cementing what I had already learned, and it sort of just went deeper into why we do what we do and the science of alcohol and why we find it so hard to moderate. Yeah, that was one of the things that I found most interesting was learning about why we find it so hard to moderate because I had been – I mean, I'd been through a drug and alcohol counselling quite a few times for years before finally deciding to give up. And they were always like, this is how you moderate. You know, you make this list of things and you put it in your purse and you make a plan before you go out and you do all the things. And every single time I tried to do that at all, of course, went out the window mm. because who wants to have a water after every drink? And it, it, and learning the science of why that is impossible because the alcohol removes your ability to do that essentially Mm. was just like a total light bulb moment for me Mm. amongst many, many light bulb moments. But um, just losing those those inhibitions and the the control in your head and the plan and it all just totally goes out the window as soon as you're two drinks in, Mm. that's why moderating is so so difficult, don't you think? Mm. It's Well, for me, it was pretty much impossible. Yeah. Um, it was just an all or nothing. Um, some people can moderate mm. and, you know, my hat's off to them. But there is something in my brain that once I have that first drink or that second drink, it's, like, it's... Give me all the drinks. Yep. It's the screw it. Like, screw it. I've had two now. May yeah. as well finish the bottle and yeah. then often moving into the next bottle too. So, um I'm just, I don't seem to be someone that can do it. No. I, those people that like can have one glass of wine and then they're, they're happy with that. It's like, 
What's how? <laughs> Where, how do you get that ability? <laughs> I feel too, you know, people like that, they really truly are drinking because they enjoy the taste. Yeah. So they might have a nice wine with a steak or a nice glass of white with a piece of fish. And they're truly drinking because they enjoy the taste and the flavor pairing and everything else. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, look, I guess there are things that I'm still working on now, but there were reasons why I was drinking the amount that I was drinking. Mm. While I enjoyed the taste of wine, um, I was also dr- drinking to sort of block a lot of things out and just numb things out. Mm. Um, and that's the thing. I, I wasn't drinking for the right reasons. It wasn't about enhancing an already good experience. It was to block things out. And once again, that's that's what I learned throughout these 30 days, that we all have different reasons for drinking. And if your reason is the wrong reason, Mm. then you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. I think most people are drinking for the wrong reason. Mm. (laughs) Um, It's when you, when you were drinking, were you a very discerning drinker or you just like, give me whatever wine and I'll, I'm happy with that. No, I actually liked a nice bottle Mm. of red, not hundreds of dollars or anything, but I was pretty commonly would spend sort of $30, $40 on a, on a bottle of red. Um, Champagne was my drink of choice, though, and I loved the Verves. And uh, yes, yes, Verve was really my yeah, that was my favourite, or a good mum. Yeah. Um. So you got expensive taste. I know. <laughs> I do I'm saving so much money now? <laughs> um. Yeah. So I I really did. I really did drink for the taste. Mm. That was one aspect. But then it was also, and that's proven too in the fact that I drink, you know, non-alcoholic wine so regularly. I am one of those people that truly do enjoy the taste. But, yeah, there were lots of other emotions wrapped up in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I mean, I didn't have expensive taste. I was a total tight ass with (laughs) wine. And any time I could get to Aldi to get my $6 bottle of Tempranillo, I was happy. (laughs) But, you know, that is well-regarded, $6 Tempranillo, I might add. But um, that's been a big shift that I've noticed is once I stop drinking, I actually am able to enjoy things for the taste so much more. And I guess that's why I've taken such a deep dive with non-alc because mm. I I actually am appreciating things for their taste, not for what I'm actually wanting them to do mm. for my head. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I really do. And also I'm finding with non-alc, um, I don't drink as much. Mm. So I used to, you know, smash a bottle, <laughs> no problem, when it was an alcoholic bottle. But now I can make a non-alcoholic bottle last, you know, two days, three days, like sort of over two or three sittings as opposed to just smashing it all down in one. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's just another way I'm saving money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and calories. <laughs> yeah. Big time on the calories. Um, so with, back to the alcohol experiment, Um I mean, I know what my big takeaways were. I mean, we can talk about both of them. But what what were some of your big takeaways and things that have really stuck stuck with you? Do you know what? It might sound like a funny thing to say, but up until I found the alcohol experiment that day, I truly didn't realise there were that many people out there that had the drinking issues that I did. Yeah, yeah. I really, I remember finding it and at the time I think there were tens of thousands of people that had gone through the alcohol experiment. Now it's up to 300,000 people or something crazy. But I just remember thinking, oh my God, there are thousands of people who are exactly like me. Mm. And that alone was comforting. I mean, if there was a program, a best-selling book and a program that had been written 
you know, aimed at people like me who had the same drinking problems I did, that meant that I wasn't alone. So, and that wasn't even part of the program. That was just, you know, one of the realizations that I had initially. That, that's just you saying that you've given me goosebumps because I remember now, like when I first started, you know, everyone puts in their thing about why they're there and, and everything and everyone's got the same bloody story and mm. it just makes you feel so much less alone mm. and like, oh, okay, this is what I've been going through is actually a thing mm. and lots of other people are going through the same thing. It makes you feel um, instantly part of a community, doesn't it? It really does. And, you know, also like the stigma that we attach to people who have drinking problems and what they should look like and what kind of background they should have and everything else. And I remember that was a big part of me. Like I had a good job and my marriage was good and I had two beautiful kids and like, you know, things were good, but I just could not get control of this drinking. Um, And I really thought, I really thought it was me, you know, there was something wrong with me. But then to see that there were you know, lawyers and doctors and, you know, all t- all people from all different walks of life having exactly the same issues that I did, it made me start to realise that, well, maybe it's not me. Mm. Maybe it's the booze. the booze. Maybe it's what we're putting <laughs> in our bodies. Um, so that was really my first takeaway. And then once I actually started the alcohol experiment, it was one of the first things she spoke about was sleep. So I was one of those classic wake up during the night with a beating heart, mm. not being able to get back to sleep. Um, and I Why is it always at 3am? Bang on the dot, look over, 3am. Do you know what? I was reading about this recently and apparently it is something to do with, If I don't know if you're a Chinese medicine person, but mm. they actually say that um, between 2 and 3am correlates with liver damage <gasps> or things that are affecting your liver at the time. I know. I was like, what? That's crazy. But yeah, if you look it up, you'll see liver damage, something around 3 a.m. that makes your body respond at that time. Um, So yeah, the sleep was huge. And I'd had two children who really didn't sleep very well at all. So sleep was, you know, a precious commodity. (laughs) And I wasn't getting it anyway. And then realizing how I was affecting it with the booze as well, I just thought, gosh, this needs to stop. Um, And the other one was the anxiety side of things. You know, I was snapping at the kids a lot. I was stressing about things that, you know, I probably didn't really need to. I was anxious all the time. Um, And once Annie started to talk about the relationship between alcohol and anxiety, just a light bulb went off. Mm. Yeah. So many light bulb moments. Incredible. One of the big things for me that stood out was drinking for stress Mm. and how drinking for stress is like putting a Band-Aid on a festering sore Mm. and you've got that Band-Aid on and everything's just festering underneath and it all, you know, it just keeps going and getting worse. Mm. And that's just like exactly what I was doing. I was drinking to manage stress or so I thought and just making everything so much worse. Mm. (laughs) It's just so true. And I would, um, you know, I would have a problem say at work or with the kids or whatever. So I would drink, you know, I'd go into the whole screw it. I'm going to have some wine. Mm. And then I drink too much and then I would wake up the next day and the problem would still be there and I'd have a massive hangover as well. It's like, <laughs> this isn't working. It's not getting rid of any of my problems and it might be making me feel better. Actually, that was another thing. It makes you feel better for a very short window yeah. of time for yeah. maybe those first one or two drinks and then after that your body 
desperately tries to expel the alcohol Mm. and you start to feel terrible. And that short window of time that it was making me feel better in comparison to the huge window of time that it was, I was paying for my decisions around drinking, it, um, it just wasn't worth it anymore. No. So you've done the alcohol experiment. You're well over two years sober now. Do you think that this is forever? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm asked this all the time. And the truth is, I don't know. Um, I'm never going to, you know, give a sort of a blanket response and say, that's it. I have quit drinking and I'm never, ever drinking again. But what I can say is more and more time that goes on, I just find less and less of a reason to, to go back. You know, I've done all the big sort of life events like weddings and, um, holidays and things like that, that I thought I'd never be able to do, um, without, having alcohol in my hand, I've now done. Mm. And it's like every time I do one of those things and I tick it off the mental list of things I can achieve without drinking, I get closer and closer to the realisation that I just, I really don't think I need alcohol in my life anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel the same way. Like I can't can't think of a good enough reason Mm. to drink Mm. Because it doesn't actually enhance anything. And, and like, we all know now with the, the great alcohol-free drinks on offer, like, you can have the exact same taste experience and you can enjoy a glass of wine and, and, and have the ritual and the taste and the experience without any of the negative side effects. So, literally, why would you bother? <laughs> That's what I can't – yeah. It, I mean – Who's to say? I mean, I don't know what what will happen in my future, but I can't see a day in the any time in the in the next few years where I would think about putting that back into my life. Not when you know the science behind the poison and 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 what it's done to you. I feel like by doing the alcohol experiment, I always say I feel like I've drunk the Kool Aid. Mm. Like it's it's just flipped a switch in my head, and now that I know what I know, I can't unknow that. Mm. And knowingly putting just like literal poison in your in your body, like. Mm. Why? I was just about to say that too. Like with, I remember when I first had that realization, even just about the sleep. And I remember thinking, now that you know this, you can't unknow it. Mm. Like this is, these are facts. This is backed by science and this is what alcohol is doing to us. And it would be so difficult to go backwards now. It's funny, I we had friends over last night and I have lots of friends who are heavy drinkers um, and I always have a great time with them. And I remember, um, they, you know, people are always curious and they ask questions about, you know, why why you've quit and, um, you know, what's different now. And just I think people do, more and more people are starting to ask me about alcohol and sleep and alcohol and anxiety in particular. And I remember I was explaining to them, you know, a little bit about the science behind why alcohol affects sleep. And they were both holding their, their big glasses of red wine. And I said to them at one stage, um, I said, you know, look, at the end of the day, alcohol is a poison that our body just fights to expel. And I said, so as soon as you have a glass of whatever it might be, your body's number one priority above anything else that's going on in you right now is to get rid of that alcohol. And it goes into overdrive in order to do so. And they both just glanced at their big glasses of red and I could tell what they were thinking. But, you know, when you sort of feel like a party pooper, like... (laughs) 
giving this information out, but I just think... Sorry to kill the vibe. I know, but like you asked me the question. (laughs) I don't go around just spouting this voluntarily, but if you ask me a question, I am going to tell you because there's real reasons why I don't drink anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I was the the wine girl and, you know, would have had to have taken something pretty big for me to stop Mm -hmm. and the alcohol experiment was pretty big. Was it? Yeah. Mm. So... There's 30, I think there's 30 days in July. No, there's 31 days in July. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's plenty of time. It's still the first. You can sign up. Uh, I will put the link to all the information in the show notes. It will change your relationship with alcohol, undoubtedly. You've got nothing to lose by signing up and giving it a go, uh, except the booze, really. Mm-hmm. That's all you've got to lose is the booze. And mm-hmm. you're doing that for the month anyway. So I can't recommend highly enough signing up and just giving it a go and, and learning something about, you know, the nasty little habit that you've got going on. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me for a chat today, Nat. It's been lovely and it's it's nice, I think, nice that we've both had that shared experience at the start of our, our sober journey. Mm-hmm. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and, um, yeah, I'm really happy that we've got that connection too. In the show notes, I'll pop a link to Nat's incredible website, The Mindful Mocktail. There you will find an immense amount of resources, recipes for creating delicious, juicy, tasty, alcohol-free drinks. She is such a wealth of knowledge and she's super creative and amazing. So we'll link to Nat's website in the show notes. Uh, There you'll also find links to my events page. I have just launched the Dry But Wet Sydney event, which is happening in August. So you can go and read about that there and find your tickets also. And my next Melbourne tasting is coming up on Sunday, the 24th of June. And that is very exciting to me. It's going to be non-alcoholic red wine. And that's also my birthday week. So we will be making a party of that one. You do not want to miss it. I am doing a weekly drop of reviews now. It's gonna, it's a thing. It's a new system. I'm loving it. Uh, I released five new reviews this week. I will link to that also in the show notes. It's going to be a great way of me getting those reviews out to you really succinctly. So there's some great products in there this week. Uh, I tried the plus and minus new premium range rose. I tried Miss Sands vodka. I tried Altina's Sangria and a couple more things in there for you to enjoy. So please um, head to the show notes. There's all the links there. And always follow me on Instagram, dry but wet, for all your non-alcoholic hilarity. Uh, If you'd love to follow along in this podcast, please hit subscribe. And I thank you always for your support. Cheers.